The economy is crumbling, they say it's had its day. The workers are all rumbling, revolution's on the way. But I could never be a Marxist, it goes against the grain. And before you call me past it, give me a chance to explain. You say, come up to Port Newell, he went with Danny Baker. Welcome to Radical, a podcast about the radical aspects of politics, music and football. I'm your host, Kas Mudde. My guest today is Dilara Hakimchi Adak. Dilara is a graduate student in political science at Florida International University in Miami, where she works on a PhD on populist in power and the role of the opposition in Hungary and Turkey. Before coming to the U.S., she had already done a Ph.D. at Bacchizir University in her native Turkey on clientelism and democracy in Latin America. She also wrote an M.A. thesis on nationalism and football in Turkey, which is more related to the topic of today, which is football and politics in Turkey. Welcome to the podcast, Delara. Thank you so much for having me. So you know what's coming. What was the first sports team you ever supported? That's actually a very complex question because I grew up in a household where like, my father was Fenerbahce fan. My mom supported Besiktas and my sister supported Galatasaray. So it was very mixed supporters in the house. So with bribes and everything, I was like a little bit Besiktas, a little bit Fenerbahce, a little bit Galatasaray at the beginning. But currently I'm a Besiktas fan. And uh, so I think there that's that what it counts. <laughs> exactly. And that was the right choice as well. Exactly. <laughs> So, second, what is your favorite political song? So, my favorite political song is actually called Ey Özgürlük by Zülfü Livaneli, which means Hey Freedom. It's not literally a political song, but the lyrics and the motivation is just demand for freedom and good expectations uh, from the future. So, it just kind of gives me that political motivation to fight for freedom, Absolutely. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Highly relevant today. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and it's finally, an old song. What is I'm sorry. It's an old song from what period? Uh, I think it's from 80s, if I'm not wrong. Okay. Yeah, so. Well, that's not that old. I mean, you're talking to an old person, so you have to be careful when you say that to older people. Um, <laughs> finally, what is your favorite political book? And my favorite political book is actually Animal Farm, George Orwell. It's important for me because it was the book that I read when I was junior in high school. We have a different system in Turkey. So you pick your pretty much major when you're in high school. So I was in the language class. So I was supposed to you know, have a major in English literature and language. But after reading this book, I was like, you know, forget about that. I'm just going to go with political science. And that was the book literally changed my like whole life. So let's start with your story. Why would anyone do a second PhD? Most people think one PhD is already one too many. I ask the same question to myself every day. So, <laughs> very relevant question. The reason that I met my husband in Turkey while I was doing my PhD at Bahçeşehir, where he was also doing his master's degree. And then when we decided to get married and move to Florida, I was already writing my dissertation. And then I realized after I moved here that job market is super competitive and having a non-US like degree from a non-US institution will not help me at all. So I decided to apply FIU. So you wrote your MA thesis on nationalism and football in Turkey. So what is the relationship between the two 
So, as you know, football is a very important tool in history for many different countries. Like maybe the first thing is like Salazar is like three Fs, like Fado, Fatima, and football. So, in Turkey, it was something similar, actually. It was like this hunting ground of nationalism. And even when you look at from a nationalism perspective, I was reading Hobsbawm, and when I read that the imagined community of millions seems more real as a team of 11 named people, kind of like hit me in the head, and then I was put together how Turkey, and even like before the Republic, even like late Ottoman era, how football has been used when the non-Muslims established football teams, and then during the Young Turk period, we witnessed the establishment of the three big football clubs that we're going to talk about in Istanbul. And they played against Occupation Forces team during that time. So when I was putting them together, I uh, realized that there are a very strong relationship between football and nationalism, and especially in Turkey. And even after the Republic, especially during the 1990s, what the rise of nationalism in Turkey, we see sports media use nationalistic discourses like such as Europe, Europe, hear us. This is Voice of Turks, footsteps, kind of headlines or even like using worse uh, language. For instance, like when Leeds United played with Galatasaray at that time, pre-game, two Leeds United supporters were killed by Galatasaray fans. And the headline was like, Leeds United supporters took a blot shower in Turkish bath. So wow. it was, yeah, it was wow. So <laughs> exactly. And so when I put things together, I um, decided to write my thesis on nationalism and football in Turkey. Yeah, makes yeah. perfect sense. Now, the relationship between football and politics in Turkey has become even more interesting under the current president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. And I want to talk about that later. But first, let's go back to the Gezi protest of 2013, in which you participated. What were they about? So... Gezi protests in 2013, which started May 28th, it was started initially as an environmentalist movement against this urban management project. And I was there since day one, while there were like marching bands, and we were literally picnicking the Gezi Park. So it was just rainbows and butterflies. And we were literally just having some signs and try to protest that they're not going to destroy the pretty much only park in Istanbul. And what happened, like, after a couple of days when the police cleared the park with tear gases and water cannons, and then that turned into something different. So it was not only about, like, a couple of trees, but it turned into something more than that, like some movement against the rise of Erdogan's autocracy and demand for freedom and fighting for restoring democracy. So they're many different motives behind it, like aspects of it. Right. And again, like this protest was like people take streets, block, you know, roads and people either participated literally going to Gezi Park or from their balconies with pots and pens. So it was just like this turned into this massive movement. And it's not only in Istanbul, but it kind of spread out other cities in Turkey as well. So what did you experience yourself during the protest? So I was living in Shishli, which is very close, like 15 minutes away from Gezi Park, Taksim. And I was studying in Beşiktaş, uh, which is also very close to Taksim. So it, Taksim was literally in the middle. And what I experienced is that every roads were blocked 
by barricades, fires, and um, there's this like we call the the water cannon vehicle Toma in Turkish. So like Toma's everywhere. So it was like like every day it was like going to work. So every day I I went to Gezi Park to protest. And what we experienced like with my friends that one of the things actually about Gezi protests is this how mass media didn't show anything on TV. What I experienced that how important is social media, especially Twitter, during the, these protests. Not only in Turkey, but we saw the importance of uh, social media during the Arab Spring as well. I remember a day that I looked around in the middle of the night and everybody was wearing like swimming goggles and masks. And I, it was surreal because it was just like... Mm-hmm. You can see hundreds of people literally in the middle of the night with like swimming goggles and because of the tear gas and water cannons. So you <laughs> try to protect yourself. So it was, I saw bad things as well, obviously, because I was there, but I also witnessed the solidarity, the spirit of like people were sharing food, you know, singing together, chanting together. It's just like this commune lifestyle. So everybody brings something, contributes in a way. So. It was very interesting one month, let's say. Talking about solidarity, ultras from the three big football teams of Istanbul also played an important role coming together in the so-called Istanbul United. Mm -hmm. What was that all about? So maybe going back to your previous question about Recep Tayyip Erdogan and football, how that become more interesting under the present Erdogan. So football has been maybe very political in different ways. But with Gezi protest and, of course, with Erdogan, it became more important overall. Because Erdogan was a former football player himself, and even he was called as a Imam Beckenbauer. So, <laughs> and then he played as a football player. He's also like well-known Fenerbahce, a fan. Therefore, we see the importance of football or interested in football under Recep Tayyip Erdogan. And Istanbul United was this union of what we called the three bigs, Galatasaray, Fenerbahce and Beşiktaş. Those are Istanbul teams. They were founded in Istanbul. It's similar to what actually happened in Tahrir Square with El Ahli and Zamalek. So with like two rival football teams coming together and protest together. So something similar happened in Gezi protests as well. These three teams are long-standing rivals, so their games are like, it's crazy. It's like a war zone when you go any of those derby games, let's say. But what we see, especially ultras from all these three teams, coming together and they were chanting like, shoulder to shoulder against fascism. That's one of the chant they were singing all together. And the reason that they were very popular during the protest, because they know, you know, how to confront with the police. They are more like organized. They're non-political. I mean, in a way that they're not affiliated to any political party. So people were also sick of political parties. So they want something more independent from a political mm-hmm. sphere in a way. So they know the survival techniques. They know how to move people and organize people. So that's why they all come together. And I don't want to be biased, but of course, Charshe played a very important... Yeah, exactly. Charshe's ultra group from Besiktas. And we see that Charshe was the first ultra actually initiated this Istanbul United group. And then we saw Fenerbahce and Galatasaray join, like ultras join them. And we see that you're wearing a t-shirt right now. I know they cannot see it, but Charshe has this like anarchy A 
So it was kind of used everywhere. So you see on the walls, on the streets, everybody's just a painting that's Charshe's Anarchist A. And then people identify themselves as Charshe, although they support different football groups. And the motto of Charshe, it's like Charshe against everything. Charshe Hashe Karshe in Turkish became one of the key sentences of the Gezi protest. So the activities of these ultras were not supported by all fans of the free teams. And I remember particular controversy among Galatasaray mm -hmm. supporters. What is the legacy of Istanbul United? Does it still exist or has it completely disappeared? I mean, the legacy still exists, but as a group, they're not active at all. Galatasaray fans, so again, like there are various ultras within one team. So for Galatasaray case, there were like two fan groups join Istanbul United. One of them is Ultra Aslan and the other one was Tekyumruk. So Tekyumruk was more like left-leaning group. And when during the Gezi, when Istanbul United, especially like Charşı Beşiktaş, like when they capture control vehicle, Thomas and have pictures or that turn that group like Istanbul United become more political and there were like also killings during the Gezi protests. So Ultra Aslan said that they withdrew from Istanbul United. They don't want to be part of this political environment and they don't want to have any linkage with these vehicle captures or these kind of incidents. And once they withdrew, we see that after Gezi, during the games, we see this like Tek Yumruk and Ultra Aslan, like two Galatasaray fan groups. While Tekyumruk was still part of Istanbul United and chanting like everywhere Gezi, everywhere resistance slogans, Ultra Aslan was like whistling, trying to block that. So we saw that Ultra Aslan was, you know, doesn't want to be part of Gezi protest in a way that it turns more political, according to them. So, right. I was in Istanbul in 2017 and really wanted to see a game by Besiktas. And so a local PhD student, Esgi Elchi, had to put in a lot of work for me to get a ticket because the whole ticketing system was absolutely insane. Can you tell me a bit more about the current system and what the motivations behind it are, were? Yeah, sure. So it's, again, connecting to the previous question. So although Islam United is not very active, but we still see some political chantings or we see some implications of this protest during the games. So what happened is Pasolik, what you're talking about, this e-ticketing system, which was implemented after Gezi protests in 2014. But again, the Pasolik system came as a result of like this 2011 Violence in Sports Act, actually. So the purpose of this system, this Pasolik or e-ticketing system is like, quote unquote, like unwanted incidents, like hooliganism or like some violence during the games. But there were many criticism against the system because it was more surveillance system because this fan ID system linked to a credit card, which is linked to Active Bank in Turkey, and it has links to AKP. Mm -hmm. And then once you, you know, signing up for the system, it requires fan to submit personal information, which team you belong, the person can only get tickets for games involving their supporting club, non-transferable tickets, no one can take their friend to game unless they're, you know, sign up for the system as well, like what you experience most likely. There's like certain seat you're assigned to 
And this whole personal information kept by Active Bank. So it was this whole thing about how this system brings this surveillance threat, let's say. Right. So that was one of the reasons that people were frustrated. And I think it's such a beautiful illustration of this just complete convergence of authoritarianism and corruption. Because on the one hand, the system clearly is there to monitor and send a signal because they know not just that you're in the stadium, they know exactly where you sit. And of course, cameras are everywhere. And I remember going into the stadium and when you go through the turnstiles, you actually see the picture on a pretty big screen of the person in front of you, which is a really clear reminder. We know how you look and we know where you are. But on the other hand, it also, of course, is a very nice fat check for this particular bank because all tickets, all tickets have to mm -hmm. be bought through a credit card, through that bank. I've seen the monitoring in various countries. Belgium had it at times. Italy had it at times. But I've never seen it mm -hmm. being used as well through this type of corruption. Now, the newest development in football and politics in Turkey There's a relatively new team in Istanbul called, and I'm going to undoubtedly butcher this, Basakşehir, which out of nowhere has become one of the top teams in Turkey. They've been playing in European League since 2015, and they won the Super League, which is the top division in Turkey, in 2019-2020. They're also known as the AKP team. What is their story? So... The supporters, especially supporters who go to the games in this big three teams in Istanbul, Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, Beşiktaş, they were generally like urban, middle or upper middle class, presumably with higher education. So generally, the supporter of these teams were mostly opposition against Erdogan. So like, again, related to Gezi, and then after Gezi, they were chanting against it. Even like during the referendum, for instance, for presidential system, what we see is that these three big teams were singing Izmir Marshe, which is some national song showing you're against Erdogan's presidential system. And we see not only in Istanbul, but also in like Izmir, for instance, or other places in Turkey. So when you have this big three teams, especially during the Gezi with Istanbul United, Başakşehir was kind of alternative for that. But let me clarify that. Başakşehir is not a new team, actually. It has its root all the way back to 1990. But at that time, it wasn't called as Başakşehir, but it was Istanbul Metropolitan Municipal Supports Club, like İBB. But in 2014, again, after Gezi, it was privatized bought by AKP supporters, former KP official, and then changed its name to Başakşehir. Because before Başakşehir, there was no like connection with any district. It was just this Istanbul municipal. So Galatasaray, Fenerbahçe and Beşiktaş, they all have their own district. They're like spirit and like Beşiktaş is a place in Istanbul. Taksim, for instance, very important for Galatasaray because the founder of Galatasaray is from French high school in Galatasaray, Galatasaray High School. Fenerbahce and Galatasaray have these French high school legacies, which makes them elitists. You know, like those are mm -hmm. mon shares, like, you know, how Erdogan says. So, Başakşehir was this us team team of the people, kind of. And again, after 2014, Başakşehir, also a district in Istanbul, Başakşehir is also in one of the Erdogan's projects. 
because it's a gated community for like conservative people or like middle class. And there were like mega projects, there, like highways, constructions close to the third airport. So it also very important for other reasons as well. And when the mm-hmm. new stadium built in Başakşehir, Fatih Terim Stadium, now Başakşehir can be a team linked to a district and has its own new stadium in Başakşehir. And If you have time, like 15 minutes, please watch that video where during the inauguration of this stadium, there was this game. Ardon was playing too, Hetrick, actually. <laughs> <laughs> And we saw that the colors of jerseys now, like the orange color, color of AKP, for instance, changed. And we see that the main sponsors have also close tie with government, Medipol. And we now hear his name a lot because he's the Minister of Health in Turkey, Fahrettin Koca you know, also own a Medipol. So we see that there are also clientelistic linkages in there too with the sponsors like Turkish Airlines, for instance. So we see, you know, the sponsors too. And again, like Erdogan says, I'm proud of Başakşehir because I established the team, which is not true actually. Başakşehir has been also questioned by many members of the parliament because Başakşehir is not popular. There are not many people going to the games. That's one of the problems. Mm-hmm. It's not like other big trees that stadiums are for. Generally, stadiums are pretty much empty. Even like Erdogan call youth of Başakşehir and youth of AKP supporters saying that, young people, are you up for it? You know, one day I may surprise you and show up for a game. What if I see it stands empty, kind of, you know? We see also a name change in Ankara, Osmanlı Spor, Ottoman Spor. I think it's also important to see how Neo-Ottomanism of AKP played role in Başakşehir because there's also fan groups called like 1453 or like, you know, Genesaries. So that was also interesting. Like, or even Osmanlı Spor changed the name of 2014. You know, it went back to Ankara Spor in 2020, but still. So we saw that creating this new teams against Big Tree, it's like part of this new Turkey project. I guess. So that's why right. it's it's important to know Başakşehir. And lastly, I remember Meral Akşener, the leader of E-Party, one of the opposition parties in the alliance, tweeted something after the Galatasaray game when Galatasaray won against Başakşehir. It says, Galatasaray 2, Recep Tayyip Erdogan 0. So it's like how they actually connected Başakşehir to Erdogan. Right. So let me finish by asking you, what is the most important misunderstanding about politics and football in Turkey? It's very cliche, but I need to say it. It's like Simon Cooper's football is not just a football discourse. In Turkey, we know that football is like, some people say it's like a religion. It's one of the identities they adopted. It's, it's very strong and very popular. So That's why it has been used for many years as a political tool. And especially under Erdogan, it's more explicit now. So we can see, you know, Başakşehir and after Gezi protests. So I think one of the most important misunderstandings is that people see sports or football particularly is just a sport, which is not. So there are many various aspects symbolically. And we talked about like material benefits. So I think we should pay more attention, also academically maybe, to the relationship between football and politics in Turkey. I totally, I totally agree. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Delara. Thank you so much for having me. If you want to know more about Delara, you can follow her on Twitter at, at Delara Hakimci. 
And thank you for listening. And remember, please like, share and subscribe. Thank you for listening to Radical. The music is from the Gonads with the classic song Karl Marx supported Millwall. I want to thank Jack Fernandez for helping me with the editing. And I'm your host, Kas Mudde. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to Radical on your podcast platform of choice. And don't forget to rate us. Till the next time. The economy is crumbling. They say it's at its day. The workers are all rumbling. Revolution's on the way. But I could never be a Marxist. It goes against the grain. And before you call me past it, give me a chance to explain. You say, come up to Port Newell. He went with Danny Baker. See you silly disco songs and really Melody Baker. I'd see him down at Dunkow. Playing with his beard. No wonder that that's Capitale turned out a little weird.